0: 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you're able to stand, please stand with us as we begin reading in verse 23. This will be a lesson that I think would find helpful and practical as we think about sharing the gospel with others. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 23 But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now there is a lot of stuff in those few verses, four verses, that we're going to unpack tonight. Not all of it, but a lot of it, and I hope that you'll give your attention to it. This is Paul's second epistle to Timothy. Now we know, surely you know, that Timothy was... Very dear to Paul. Paul referred to him as his own son in the faith. A very close relationship. And, but Timothy was also a pastor. Hold your finger here while you're standing there, Second Timothy, and go to the left of First Timothy. Uh, because this, this, I think, will help us, and it would be good to know where this passage is in the future, uh, to think about the role that Timothy had. In Paul's first epistle to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, it says, Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So Timothy wasn't just a very dear disciple to Paul, he was a pastor. And Paul is writing First Timothy and 2 Timothy to a pastor, pastoral epistles we often call them. And they're having to do with the work of God. In particular here, uh, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 2, we're going to look at his instruction as these are just truths about ministering to people. They were truths to Timothy, but they're truths to us as well. So let's pray as we look into the scripture together. Father, we need your help tonight. As we study to learn, Lord, to bring to you hearts that are comparable to fertile soil, that are broken, that are receptive, Lord, that are cleared from the clutter of the world, that are, that are not, Lord, just entangled with the cares, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, but hearts that want to receive the Word of God, we pray that tonight your word would work in our hearts as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. Thank you very much. Now, in a sense, uh, if I could generalize what we're going to deal with tonight, Paul is talking to Timothy about facing people who have a negative response to the gospel or to the message they're, op- they're opposing, their opposition. And how would Timothy go about this? And so, he's talking about dealing with people, but especially people who are critical, or people who are even scornful. Now, as we said last week, I believe, you know, most most contacts with, with unbelievers, and I'm thinking primarily of going to the door, but even at workplace, most people are not scorners. But the Bible does talk about how to deal with scorners. And so, Paul is writing to Timothy about this. And here's the application we want to think about. You know, we also need to think about how we're going to respond to people. How are we going to face people? How, well, how are we going to come across to people? How do we approach people? And I think there's some great insights in here. So let's look at it together. And the first thing we see in verse 23 where we begin reading, we're in 2 Timothy 2.23. It says, but foolish and unlearned questions Avoid. So we need to we need to try to stay away from foolish questions. Now that's tremendous advice. Right? Right. Because I've run into a lot of foolish I've run into a lot of foolish questions and a lot of foolish questioners, but uh, we're to avoid foolish questions. God did, you know, God didn't call us to debate people. God didn't, God didn't command us to, def, to be, you know, on the defense all the time. We want to help people, but you can't help a person that doesn't want to be helped. You can't catch a person that doesn't want to be caught. And some people don't want the truth. They just want to talk about it. They just want to debate about it. That's not everybody, but that's some people. And so we want to help people as best we can. We want to help people, and we want to give them... Bible answers to sincere questions. Bible answers to sincere questions. But some questions, look in verse 23, are foolish and unlearned. Now what does it mean unlearned? It means that their position, the way they're coming at something, is not from a truthful, learned position they are they 're not coming to you from a, a honest position they 're not sincere it 's not based on a desire to really learn you may have never happened this this may have never happened to you and it doesn't happen to me all that often but it does occasionally when people just want to gauge engage you in a conversation but you pick up pretty quick they 're not really wanting to learn anything they're either wanting to take up your time or show you what all they know or how, how Try to try to shoot holes in your theology or whatever the case may be. Now, this is a common, pretty common theme. We're not going to spend the whole night on it. But look in chapter 2, the, uh, a little earlier in chapter 2, in that famous verse in verse 15. For me, it's on the same page. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, rightly dividing means, it's a very graphic language and it's talking about making a precise cut, rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing what the Bible says. The Bible, listen, the purpose of the Bible is not to create questions, it's to answer questions. And when somebody's, their theology is based around trying to fire questions that they think there's are no answer to. That's not what the purpose of the Bible is. So we're to study the Bible. We're to study the Word of God. You know, I talked to the parents uh, Monday night from our school families that are coming and, and just talked a little bit about the value of learning and how people ought to have an appetite for learning. So we ought to study the Word of God. But look at the very next verse, verse 16. But shun... Profane and vain babblings. That's similar language to later in the chapter when he talks about foolish and unlearned questions. Shun profane and vain babblings. Profane is like unholy. It's contrasted. You have the sacred and the and the profane. These are profane or unholy, ungodly, empty, vain. Is empty, empty questions, meaningless discussions. Shun those things, the Bible says. And honestly, not so much today as it has in the past, but I can remember years and years ago when I would get into these extended conversations that I could tell pretty soon they're not going anywhere. And what do you do with that? He says shun them. That's what the Bible says. Don't just engage yourself in that. Because look at the result. Look in verse 17. And their word, these people who have these empty conversations, their word will eat as doth a canker, which is another word for gangrene. Gangrene is a serious thing. It eats your flesh and it, and it spreads. Their word, these people who just want to engage in meaningless chatter, it will, they'll eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. Paul calls out a couple of them. Who, he says, describing these two men, Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. They had the truth, but they turned from the truth. And by the way, that happens a lot. People had the truth, but they've erred. They've turned away from the truth. And they did it concerning the important doctrine of the resurrection. Look in verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, but here's the real damage. And overthrow the faith of some. He says, these people... Who really have turned away from the truth and they're engaged in these pr- vain babblings, the, the worst part of it is they're turning other people away. they're influencing other people. So the subject that Paul gives to Timothy, the advice is, avoid foolish questions. Uh, you're in 2 Timothy 2, go to the left, a page or so, to First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. This is the last chapter of Paul's first letter to Timothy, and I just want to emphasize how important this subject is in verse 20. 1 Timothy Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. I'm just noticing how many people aren't looking at their Bibles. I would encourage you to bring your Bible and look at your Bible. Because you, what's important, more important than what I say is what the Bible says. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, Avoid avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing, they say they're saved, professing, have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with you. The last thing he said in this first epistle is, he says, avoid these kind of conversations. Avoid... Profane and vain babblings, and so to me this is encouraging advice because you don't have to answer everybody's questions, especially if they're not sincere questions, if they're not looking for answers. You know, if a person comes to me, I don't. I'm not a, a offended, or uh, I, I like for people to ask questions. If they're going to ask questions, but I and I listen to them. I'll show them the courtesy of listening. To them. I was telling Ross today about a telemarketer. Somebody called me in the last day or two and um, they started with their spill. And as soon as they took a breath, you know, I interrupted. And as soon as I started to say something, they started on their spill again. And then I got their attention. And I said, You're calling me. Give me the courtesy of at least listening to what I want to say. And the next sound I heard was click. <laughs> But you know, way, that's the way some people are about spiritual things. They only want to tell you everything they don't believe or the reasons they don't believe, but they're not really interested in the truth. And it's interesting to me that several of these passages talk about people who've erred from. They once were in the faith, but they've erred from the faith. Now look in our text in 2 Timothy, there in uh, chapter 2. And notice what it says in verse 16. It says, Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You know what they're going to produce? More of the same. More ungodliness. Second Timothy chapter 3. Look in verse 7. Now verse chapter 3 verse 1, you might remember this. It's this... Uh, very famous and very insightful uh, teaching about last days. In the last days, perilous times shall come. It describes it describes the days we're living in uh, to me. But look in verse 7. One thing it says about these people in the last days, these, these false teachers and these that are deceived. Look in verse 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're always... They're always professing to be learning, but they never can really understand the truth. And I think there are people who don't really want the truth. They just want to argue. And the good news to you is, the good news to me is, you don't have to argue with them. You don't have to debate with them. You can just say, well, if you're not going to listen to what I'm going to say, maybe... I said this to a guy, and we had a great conversation this past Saturday. When I say great, it was, it was courteous. There was exchange between the two of us. He made it clear that he wasn't interested. He took the, took the gospel card that I gave him. And I said, you know what, though? Thanks for letting me spend some time with you. And you might change your mind someday. And you know where we are? He was right down the road, about a quarter mile down. He said, oh, I know exactly where I said, well, maybe you'll change your mind. You'll be welcome any day in our service. You know, we don't have to argue with people. God didn't call us to debate with people. Don't feel like you have to do that. And if people don't want to hear what we have to say, that's okay. Um... Questions aren't bad if people are open to the truth. So uh, look in verse 18 again. Uh, We said this a moment ago. The effect is they they can actually cause other people to, to doubt. Now let's go down to where we began in verse 23. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do what? They gender strife. They they just they cause contention. You know, what, you know what the purpose of fellowship and discussing about the Bible is? It's edification. It's building up one another in the faith. It's not contention. And that's, that's, the, that's, not, that's not a good result. God wants to give people peace, not strife. So when, when Paul says then to Timothy, in verse 24 and following, he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. And so he's going to tell us how to deal with, with people who he says, look at verse uh, 25, who oppose themselves. Look at verse 25 in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So that's the classification of people we're talking about. They put themselves in opposition. They're not. They're not just. Uh, they're not just. They're bitter or angry, or they're not necessarily that. They're not. They're not. They're not just uh, ignorant. By that I mean they don't really know. No, they're, they're opposed to the truth. They put themselves in opposition. They won't accept the truth. They won't recognize the truth. That's why it says in verse 25, In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the, what? Acknowledging of the truth. See, they won't, they won't agree with the truth. They won't acknowledge the truth. They're opposed to the truth. And they're not willing at that point to accept the truth. Now, um, what is? by the way, let's just think about their spiritual condition. What, What happens to a person who rejects the truth, who opposes the truth? Look what it says in verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil... Who are taken captive by him at his will. Now that's worth thinking about for a couple of moments. What happens to a people, these people that are opposing the truth? They're resisting the truth. They're not, they're they're positioning themselves against the truth. The Bible says they're going to be ensnared, they're going to be trapped. A snare is a trap. And who's trapping them? The devil is. Look in verse 26. That they may recover themselves out of the snare. Of the devil. Now, here's something again we ought to think about when, when, when we go to a person's house, when we go knock on a person's door, we go to witness to someone, or maybe you just walk across the street, or maybe you at work, you're engaging a person. You you could get anything, right? They they could be that they were they were just that very morning praying and saying, God, please send a soul winner by to talk to me, and you're the answer to their prayers don't count on it but it could happen <laughs> it could happen it could be that there it could be that there's someone who used to be in church and were faithfully serving the lord and now they've gotten away and you don't know who they're going to be it's very likely there could be someone who's never really heard a clear presentation of the gospel that's an increasing uh, statistic i'm sure in our culture but whatever it is if they have opposed the truth if they are opposing the truth, I would venture to say they are in some degree of being spiritually blinded. Would you say that? I mean, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said that lost lost people are blinded. The God of this world had blinded the minds of them. They're blinded. So there's not just a cultural situation or there's not just a, a... Um, theological situation where maybe there's a divide between us and them. There's a spiritual element we have to think about. There's no question in my mind if you knock on very many doors you're going to find somebody who's opposing the truth and is in some degree of being spiritually snared. Do you believe that's true? Sure it is. You know why? Because the devil wants to take them to hell. The devil doesn't want them to get saved. And they're, they're trapped. And they're being taken captive. They've been taken captive. They're like, a, they're like a prisoner of war. Because it is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And they're like a prisoner of war. They've been taken captive. And, and I believe the same thing. It doesn't have to be out there in some wicked lifestyle. You can, I think a person will be sitting in church, and they reject the truth, they turn their mind against the truth, and you know what gra- gradually takes over is darkness and deception and blindness until they can't even see. They can't hear. There's a spiritual element there. And notice what it says in verse 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Now, that's an interesting thing. They may recover themselves you, you, can't, you can't rescue them. And what, is it, what does it mean when it says recover themselves? I think it's because their recovery depends on what they do. If they're going to receive the truth, if they're going to repent, that's what it talks about here, repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If they're going to say, I've been wrong, I need to turn around, I need to do things differently, otherwise they're just going to be ensnared. So these are the people Paul is telling Timothy how to deal with. Those who oppose themselves. They're they're opposed to truth. And because they've opposed the truth, they're ensnared. They're blinded. And that describes probably right now, you may be thinking about people that you know. I'm thinking about people that I know. I'm thinking about people I know who once were Bible believers and followers of God and and were in the faith, but now they've they've just turned away in many ways. And they're they're in bondage. They're in spiritual bondage. And there's a sense in which you can't be mad at them. They just made some foolish decisions. By the way, the devil doesn't the devil's no gentleman. He plays for keeps. And if you think you can just Give a little of your life to disobedience and rebellion and a little more and, and, and there will be no consequence. I'm telling you, he's setting up strongholds. He's got a game plan. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. That's why the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him anything. And that's, this is what happens to people. And we're going to meet people like this. And we know people like this. So then the, the, the practical application to our lives, and I think all this is practical, is how, does, how should we respond to them? How should we treat them? Look in verse 24. Verse 23, he basically says, if I could summarize verse 23, don't argue because all that foolish arguing, just gender strife. And verse 24... The servant of the Lord must not strive. So these are tips for God's service, the servant of the Lord. Now obviously, most of us are not, nor ever will be, pastors. But we are all servants of the Lord. Would you agree with that? We should be. We're servants of the Lord. And first of all, we're not to strive. To strive means to dispute, to quarrel. To fight. Matter of fact, the word that's translated here as strive is translated in James as fight. From where, whence comes wars and fightings among you. We're not to, we're not to attack people. We hadn't been called to argue with people. And years ago, and, I don't, and this was a healthy thing, I think, years ago, uh, debates, public debates, among different viewpoints theologically was very common. You know, I've listened to debates from years ago between, uh, for instance, Baptists and uh, Church of Christ or Campbellite who believe in baptismal regeneration. There are debates against each other. It's lively, it's respectful. I'm not talking about that kind of debate is wrong, but I'm saying to be argumentative and debating with people is not really what God's called us to do. We're called to contend for the faith, but we're not called to be contentious about. And I don't think anybody in this room would do this, but I'll tell you, I've known some people from the past, and I've heard of testimonies of other people who've been with people like this, that if a person doesn't respond the correct way at the door, they'll just basically argue with them and berate them and... Curse them to an eternity in hellfire or something, you know. It's all in the love of Jesus, right? We're not, that's, we're not to strive. We're not to strive. And then we'll notice what he says in verse 24. This is what he, keep in mind who he's talking to. The, here's how you handle these people, Timothy. Be gentle unto all men. Be kind. I mean, what, whatever they think of our message, they ought to, this is what they should see in us that we genuinely care about them. We don't, we don't have to go to the door like we're going to blow people away with our winsome personality. We don't have to go there like we own this block because we are masters of the Word of God and I'm God's answer to your theological needs. No, we be gentle to people, right? Be, be, don't, don't strive, be gentle. And then notice what it says. In verse 24, apt to teach. And the word apt basically means able to teach. We ought to have the ability to instruct. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was shaving. um, All of us want to have a handle on the Word of God. And as witnesses, we feel the need to have a handle on the Word of God. But this is what I was thinking It goes along with this apt to teach, the ability to instruct. It's amazing how far you could go with just four or five verses of Scripture standing at a door. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if they question whether God loves you, most people have heard John 3.16. I mean, really, if we were going to have a quiz tonight, right, Joseph, we know John 3.16. You know, if they bring up the fact that you know, there's probably many ways to heaven. Most people could get it's some handle of John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh in the Father but by me. What I'm saying is just a few verses of Scripture in our arsenal, if they think they're good enough, you know, it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. Or if I by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves as a gift of God, not of works. What I'm saying is there's four verses. Most of us could if we just take four or five verses we could have the beginning of our arsenal really so it's not like you have to be like you have to have a bachelor's degree but you have to be able to instruct you have to be able to teach you have to be able to come up with an answer and we're going to help do that so you, so we're to be we're to be growing in our understanding of the bible but the next thing it says is this in verse 24 patient the word patient, in uh, our English word patient, in our King James Bible, sometimes means long-suffering or forbearance. Sometimes it means endurance. But this means forbearance. We have to be patient. You can't force a person to be saved. No, we can't, you know, we're not there to, to coerce them. You know, I'm not leaving till you pray with me. We're not, we're not there to trick them. We're to be patient. We don't have to know everything. You say, well, what if they ask me something that I don't know? Let me, I'm going to give you a really hard answer to this, but you could remember this, okay? Just say, I don't know. There's nothing wrong. You'd, you'd be better off being there and have a question thrown at you that you don't know the answer to than not being there at all, right? So be patient. Don't get angry with them. Don't get angry because they don't believe. Don't get angry because they don't receive. Don't get angry if they try to make fun. They probably won't, but don't get angry. Be patient. And then notice in verse 25. We're almost done. Look in verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. In meekness, instructing. Instructing is teaching. Do what you can to teach, but do it in meekness. Meekness is humility. We've already mentioned gentleness. Uh, sometimes people make the mistake of defining meekness or assuming that meekness is a sign of weakness, but it's not. Uh, Moses was one of the greatest leaders of all time and led a million people. But he's also the most meek man, the meekest man on the planet. Meekness is strength under control, it doesn't mean weakness. It means that you have, you're, you're under control. You're not, and by the way, if ever, anybody needs to be filled, filled with Spirit and be Spirit-filled, it ought to be people that are trying to share the gospel, whether it's at home or at work or wherever they might be. Uh, hold your finger right here, in that, and we'll come right back to this and finish. But go, go to the book of Proverbs. I thought about this verse today. Proverbs chapter 15, as it pertains to this subject. By the way, while you're turning there, Proverbs 15, I don't know how long we're going to do this. We'll do it for a few more weeks. I've just felt really strong about doing this. I felt like it, coupled with the fact that we're emphasizing um, our Saturday morning outreach, would help us. keep. Maybe give us information. Maybe give us help. Maybe give us tools. Maybe just give us the inspiration that we need to do it. And I was encouraged this week when someone said something just about the fact that it's been a help to them. I think, I think it's really helping us. So I, I appreciate that. But I don't know how long we're going to keep doing it. There's a lot we could say about it. Proverbs 15.1. Great verse here. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It's it just an argument never serves a good purpose. It just doesn't. And the, notice the next verse that I believe goes with it. It's not always the case in Proverbs. But verse 2 says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. Now, knowledge is what you know. But the tongue is how, where you use your knowledge. The tongue of the wise tongue of the wise uses knowledge or uses the knowledge that you have in the proper way but the mouth of fools just pours out foolishness so the the tip is a soft answer a soft answer turns away wrath so teach them in meekness teach them in gentleness teach them in humility i'm back to second timothy chapter 2 and look in verse Uh, 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. We want God to work in their life. We want God to bring them to repentance. And by the way, this is true of anyone who is holding on to a lie. And if you're not, if you're, if you're, if a person's rejecting truth, they must be holding on to a lie. And what's the best thing can happen is they would repent. Repent of what? Repent of holding on to an untruth. And, and you know what that's going to bring about? It's going to bring about spiritual revival or spiritual regeneration, spiritual release or freedom in their life. Helping. Look at the, the other part of that verse. We're in verse twenty-five. Give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, saying, "I was wrong. This is what I should. This is what I should have believed, but I was wrong." And this—that's a great thing to happen. But we can't make that. We can't force that to happen. We can't. We can't bully people into being saved. We can't trick them into getting right with God. We we teach them with meekness. We teach them with gentleness. Trusting that God is going to do a work of repentance in their life. Bring them to a place of turning from their sin. It's a spiritual battle against a spiritual enemy. And only when that happens, look in verse 26, will they recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. When a person sees the error of their way, they admit where they're wrong, and they're willing to turn from their error and turn to the truth of God's Word, then they can be released, they can be free from that bondage in their life. But notice even in this, there's no guarantee that'll happen. Look in verse 25 again. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What does peradventure mean? It means perhaps. It means it may happen. It may it could happen. But you know what it's going to depend on? It's going to depend on them and their response to the truth. I've had to tell people numerous times in my life in trying to help them through waiting and trusting for God to work in a situation. I can't guarantee you what's going to happen. I I can't guarantee it's going to come out the way you want it to come out. It depends on their response. All we can do is pray for people and give them the truth. They're the ones that have to make the decision. They're the ones that have to repent. They're the ones that have to humble themselves and admit that they've been wrong and come back to the truth. So for us, let's, let's complete this with this. For us, we're not there to win an argument. We're not there to prove that we're right. We're there to go To obey the Lord, take the message of the truth to people, to spread the good news. And it is good news. The gospel that changes people's lives. That's our responsibility. We want to do it as clearly as we can. We want to do it as as sincere as we can. We want to do it as kind as we can. Um, The rest is up to God. God has to work in a person's heart. Amen? We're not salesmen. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? I would No offense if you're a salesman. No offense. I don't mean this to be offensive. Thank God for good ones. But I'd never be good at it, you know. I'd, I'd be talking to them about, they could, you could use your money for better things in that vacuum cleaner, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't be good at it. But we're not selling anything. We have good news. Eternal life. Free to all who will come with a repentant heart. Amen? And that's what God's given us to do. And any of us can do it. If we're saved. Any of us can do that. Any questions about something we've covered so far tonight? We've had some good questions sometimes at the end of these. Any questions at all? Well, I'm telling you, you have... You are, we are, if you're saved... You already have all the resources you need to get started. Now, you you know, it's like anything. The more you do it, the more comfortable you are with it, the more you learn, the more you have conversations. You know, I was telling the guys at a preaching class the other day, there, there's been happened to me lots of times that I'll finish a sermon and especially if I'm preaching somewhere else where I go and leave and go sit down. Here I don't have that luxury. But by the time I get to my chair, I'm already thinking of things I wish I'd have said. And I'll open up my Bible and I'll write things in my note and say, if I ever preach that again, don't forget to say this. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be the same way talking to people. You'll leave the door and you think, man, I wish I would have thought of that. Just start doing it though. Memorize some verses of Scripture. Don't, Don't try to memorize hard, difficult you know, very obscure verses. You're not going to need that most likely. Basic stuff. And then and start going out. You say, well, I've never been out before. You can, someone went out a couple of weeks ago. First time they've ever been out knocking on doors. It is great. Get started. People need the gospel. If I said it, every time we met, it wouldn't be too much. But God gave us the responsibility, and the privilege of taking the gospel to people. So it's a it's an honor to do it. And I, I know Saturday mornings may not work for everybody, but you ought to have a time if you don't go, go get you a partner and go some other time. Charting out the region, we're going street by street. You could take a street or two and say, I can't come on Saturday mornings, but I could come sometime and, and we'll help you do that. Don't Now, you know, I don't know, I don't know, there are a lot of reasons why we don't go. Sometimes we just get out of the habit. Sometimes there are fears, we've covered that. Sometimes we just, maybe we forget that it's important. But it's still God's plan to share the gospel with other people. Amen?